spidey senses tingling. He's the host you most want to see depicted in the next Southern comic by Jason Aaron. He's slim. He's the host of the Paper Keg podcast. This is episode 172. Welcome to the show. Paper Keg podcast. Three friends for life. Talk about the books we're reading. The books we read this week books we read years ago and we'll trick people into thinking we read them this week sometimes and then we do a book club to close out the show robocop versus terminator And then uh, we'll read your letters to close out the show live. Um, let's introduce the hosts. You know, you checked us out for the first time last week and you're giving us another shot. So thanks for that. Yeah. Jonesy loves beer. You remember him last week? We dropped a bomb on you. We have an actual writer on the show. We have someone on the inside. Regardless of whether he's been published or not, it doesn't matter. He's on the inside. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you. Um, I really want to hit day 1,000 of my erstwhile tweet that we could just be days away from the one. I, I think when I hit 1,000 days, I'll be ready to revisit that project. Hmm. Give a cool K under my belt. I mean, fellas, be ready, huh? Bold ready. words. After that, from could a be any day oh, around this crowd. You could say you could be ready, and that basically means you're doing it. And that's what we're going to assume. <laughs> you could say, "Let's do a show at ten o'clock, and then stroll downstairs twenty-five after." You know, what are you going to do? So it's total lack of respect. Um, your words. Uh, one other host, full of. What you would call respect. Uh, he's a father. He's got two kids. You know, offline we shared a story about dirty laundry that would repulse most people, but we shared it and enjoyed it. Dale underscore a Facebook phenom. Welcome back. Yeah, there's not much else to do waiting for Jonesy. We're just sitting here. We can't. I mean, should we go take a poop? Will it be too long? Is it going to be down any second? So we start revealing the deepest, darkest secrets, like maybe laundry hasn't been done since returning from vacation, and maybe it's still <laughs> in a plastic bag. What? You know, whatever. Yeah. It's fine. You open that bag, the paint starts to peel in your master <laughs> bedroom. My leather moccasin slippers got up and ran away. Where they start rolling into it themselves like the Wicked Witch. <laughs> what a show. Huge show, one of the biggest shows we've ever done. Uh, Robocop versus Terminator. You ever heard of this guy, Frank Miller? Mm-hmm. You heard Who? of him? May have. Maybe you have. Aliens. 
You know, we just did a book mm-hmm. about the aliens versus Superman. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're continuing that trend of hit movies brought to the comic world. Walt Simonson. Simonson. Maybe. Nobody knows. We'll Keep you guessing. Up. Yeah. We'll leave it up to the uh interpretation of the reader. That's what it all comes down to. Mm-hmm. But we have, you know, I wanted to save it to the end of the show, but I think we should just bring it out of the oh, open. God, do oh, it. Dear. It's going to be okay. so freeing. Let's just let it all hang out. Tell them. Are your pants even on right now? Slim. Be honest. No, Slim. Ne- I never wear pants. Slim, tell them. Yes. Hmm? <laughs> huh? Oh, hmm? gosh. Hmm? You know, hmm? uh, the next two episodes, you know, can really only be described with uh, an old piece of audio that I want to bring back right now. Guess what? What? You've been ferreting. What? DC Comics, bitch. Uh. What, what? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Was that the best bumper ever committed? Where did you find those, first of all? I think we need to realize, first of all, before we get to the big announcement, back in the early days of Paper Keg, Jonesy and I recorded some bumpers quote air quotes for the show that never really stuck around you know we like maybe we're going to do a segment about something let's get let's get jonesy to <laughs> sing a song about uh our book club segment let's, let's do that are you in a book club we are <laughs> want to read along with us yeah, and, and you can see why those didn't stick around gold that was my Zalman King's The Red Shoe Diaries bumper. I remember it very well. <laughs> this one, I think, was for our round table. This week in comics. And not just the big two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Zatarain's like clip. Skin crawling. <laughs> these sounders. <laughs> We had a great time doing them. If you're a new listener, that room was hot as H. Jonesy was Jonesy almost died from heat exhaustion <laughs> right. recording. I think I these. changed. I think I had two wardrobe changes uh, during that. Uh, that's going to that be that'll be in the behind the podcast documentary. Just yeah. the one night where you almost just sweated sweat to death. Buckets. Switches <laughs> switches to black and white and like yeah. inverted colors to show how <laughs> chaos it was <laughs> for one. the for the actor playing Jonesy in the in the role. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, Donald Logue. I think he's playing. Oh, cool. <laughs> My long lost brother. One seventy three and one seventy four, right around the corner, and we need to come back to the real Rucka Keg. Oh, you know the 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 book club. We originated episode ninety two. Oh wow, was it ninety two? Wow, yeah. Look at that. Got that in his holster, ready mm-hmm. to pull that out. <laughs> We will be doing, in those two episodes, nothing but, but all of Gotham Central from DC Comics. Mm. That's it. I just emptied out into the floor below <laughs> in my stinky slippers. You just been on the score. How does that Now that's when we gotta get back into the mix. Oh boy, what two shows? I mean, you can't come with two bigger shows. No, outside of Fear Agent, really. No, you really can't. I mean, this is going to be this is an undertaking. I think this the, these are technically what four more issues than Fear Agent. Oh boy. 
This is wow. it, man. We're doing it, boys. Wow. Uh, and then 175, which we haven't announced yet formally. We're still signing papers uh, between the three of us to make sure it's official. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, my attorney's stuck. Jenzy's attorney my is, copy. is literally the worst. He's also my doctor. <laughs> He's also his gardener. <laughs> also your happy hour buddy. So that's when we know you, know you guys were out there. Meetings. Quote, meetings. <laughs> Got to work late tonight. But we, you know, big shows... So get prepped. Start reading Gotham Central again, or for the first time. For the first time. Yeah. But uh, we got a lot of show to get to, a mm-hmm. lot of RoboCop time travel mm-hmm. with Terminators. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get into the segment where we talk about what we read this week, if we can. Jonesy loves beer. I am. I do. The camera is, is focused on your neck. I don't know. It's like the the exact center of that camera is. I'm I'm zeroing in on your neck, and not your your eyes. Oh yeah, it's better. Better, oh, dreamy. Better like this. Or is it better word. like this? Cherubic. <laughs> it's like that Van Halen cover. Just someone get me a cigarette. What did you read this week, writer Jonesy? So let's talk about the South, land of mm-hmm. the South. Jason Aaron from the South writes about. The South. Men of Wrath. Issue one. I picked this bad boy up in print today at our sponsor, the comic shop in Wilmington, Delaware. Mm. Uh, mm. Check them out if you're in the area. Check out their online digital store if that's your way to go. go. Uh, so I picked up this book in print. I smelled it. I bought it with monies. And I read it as I want to do. And let me tell you, Jason Aaron Southern Stories Forever and Ever. Amen. Men of Wrath is about almost like, uh, what do you call it? The uh, Hatfields and McCoys starts out as like a family feud murder in the past. And that leads to the Wrath men, R-A-T-H, having like a deadly reputation. And in present day, uh, the Elder Wrath is a gun for hire. You know, there's nothing bullet, There's nothing he won't do. Uh, in the first 10 pages, he takes out an entire family, Ooh. walks them out into the swamp, kills them, makes the wife drag the husband's dead body. I mean, you get the feeling they're, they're scummy. And the most terrible thing I've ever seen, he goes back, there's a crying baby in the back seat, and he launches the car seat into the swamp after the parents drops off. Oh, my off. God. No. I the, just got sick to my stomach. The, it, it, it was, I mean, as a father, that was probably the most horrible thing you could show. I teared up when that kid gets uh, disappeared in that new HBO show, in that preview, where the mom's on the phone and the crying just stops. I didn't even see the baby leave. And I was swolt with the tears. So to see that live in color on a page was awful. Writer. Jason. Uh, yeah. Jason Aaron, right? So the end of the issue uh, is that Wrath gets hired to go after another case that maybe even he won't touch. Cut to Wrath Jr. on the run from the cops talking to a pregnant girlfriend in a hotel. He's like, we need to get out of here. 
you know, they could they could be looking for us, you know, don't call me from this phone. And she's like, that's fine. I just didn't know you didn't tell me he was going to stop by. And he's like, who was going to stop by? And she's like, your dad. So it leaves you to think that he was hired to go after his own son. And he's at the hotel room with his pregnant wife, girlfriend. I don't know. Cliffhanger. Wow. Great stuff. Great stuff. If you are a fan of Southern Bastards, you, sir or madam, go pick up Men of Wrath issue one. Even though I just gave you the entire story, you probably need to read it. But it's great. It's good stuff. I'm definitely going to keep reading. No mm. doubt there. Nice. I uh, I picked that up as well. I didn't get a chance to read it yet. <laughs> Sorry, Dale. Spoilers. No, no, it's okay. I, I don't care. I'll read it anyway and love it. Didn't um, Ron Garney, your boy from Wolverine Weapon X, do the yep. art on that book? Yep. Yeah, he did. <laughs> it's good he to see sure it. Did. it. And it was it's out on uh, Icon, Marvel's Icon imprint, which was really? kind of good to see. I mean, you only see like Bendis books coming out on Icon. Yeah. I think Cas- Casanova was on it, but I think that was it. Oh, speaking of Bendis, I just read that he's doing Powers with a new number one again. You're, you've got to be joking. Powers the Bureau is only at issue two and a half. I think that <laughs> when that ends... Jonesy and I were just joking about that today. When that ends... Oh, uh, you mean uh, good old Brian FTT Bendis? FTT. For the trade. <laughs> we're worrying on that one. Maybe he's going back to formula, and maybe the Bureau didn't quite work out for him. Two and- weeks! Well, I think the when it goes to number one, the show presumably will be out on the PlayStation device. Oh, right. That, <laughs> so that's if you're interested, in there. yeah. I don't know. So it is a re- is it a reboot? I have no of idea. Powers number one. I don't know. Like back to who killed Retro Girl? The death of Wolverine number three. If I may, take you know, us there. Um, Wolverine. If you don't read, let me just keep you up to speed here. Wolverine, sexy, mutant, best character in the Marvel Universe. He's losing his healing factor. You know, the thing that keeps him alive. So now he's vulnerable. His adamantium skeleton is poisoning him. He doesn't have much uh, time to live, but there's a hit out on him. And he wants to know why and who did it. So in this issue, spoilers, spoilers. Fast forward 30 seconds. Um, you find out that the person that, that, is, that is running the whole thing is none other than Abraham Cornelius, Dr. Cornelius from the Weapon X Project, the Beardo. What? Long who, since dead, right? Pr- who per- perfected the adamantium bonding process. And yes, long since dead according to the 90s but if the series is any indication the seal man is pretty much just ignoring Ooh. and uh, approving whatever storylines he he, <laughs> he he prefers which i'm all for because whatever he's approving so far is or whatever he's ignoring is junk and so he just has carte blanche to just do whatever he wants. You know, Cyber showed up in this issue, and I'm pretty sure Cyber was, Whoa. you know, I mean, right off the bat, you saw Sabretooth in issue one as like a feral beast, whereas the two weeks previous, Sabretooth was like running um, a city mob, like mob rule. Yeah. I thought you were about to and, say some logistics company. <laughs> well, no, he might as well be because he was wearing a suit, and he was like almost clean shaven. He had his hair in a ponytail. 
So he's like doing whatever he wants, which I'm totally fine with. I mean, anything makes up for Romulus, right? Uh, that never happened in my view. <laughs> so, so that's the um, the gist. Uh, there was also a character Ogun, who was like Wolverine's teacher back in the day, and Kitty Pride was in this issue, and she has a history with this Ogun character. There was a, the second Wolverine limited series was like Wolverine and Kitty Pride. And that's how she became, she learned how to become a ninja in that series from Ogun, and she was brainwashed. So the first issue, I actually said that it was a great first issue for new readers. And now, not so much. It's like a love letter to Wolverine fans. And this would be like the Japan issue, like his throwback to his days. Yeah, this one took place in Japan. Uh, Lady Deathstrike was in it. And there was a really cool speech where... He talked about how he was maybe coming to grips with the fact that now he can age. And he's like, you know, this maybe this means that I can actually have a life and the things that I do have meaning. Or And then, like, there was one scene where it was like, well, maybe I could just, you know, go see my last sunset and just pop my claws into my head. It was like this. Oh, my God. Wow. It was like both ends of the spectrum, but it was gorgeous. McNiven's, some of the McNiven's pages on here were amazing. But the there's only four issues, so... The last page shows Cornelius, and then we have one issue to resolve everything, and presumably have Wolverine "quote unquote" die. Um, so I'm just curious so to see how it ends. Huh? Just, I mean, is there any indication on how he's going to come back yet, or you think uh, it's going to be Duas Machina at the end of this? He's going to be healing factor turned back on. Well, it sounds like he's going to be. He's not going to have his own book, so something ends for Wolverine. I don't know if he retires or he actually dies. I don't know. I have a, the way he was talking, they made it sound like the Wolverine could die, just like an old man Logan. Right. But, I mean, I don't know. This Cornelius cat throws a wrench in the plan, mm-hmm. so we'll see. Five dollars. Yeah, each, each and every book. Each and every Yeah, there's um, the sketches are in the back, the script notes. I mean, there's some cool little nuggets of like the seal man's notes of what he wanted McNiven to draw. And then McNiven kind of did his own thing. Like the, mm. the part that I mentioned with the claws through his head was different vastly than what the soul man wrote. So I'm, it makes oh, me wow. more interested in their writing process. Like, mm-hmm. you know, soul man wanted him to write, to push his, his fist through his chest to indicate that like he would open up his own guts when it was time. But in the book, McNiven just put his fist under his jaw to in- indicate he would put the claws through his head. So I was like, you know, how does that happen in the process? Did McNiven just do whatever he want, or do they come to agreement that, like, okay, yeah, that's better? Mm. I don't know. If I were writing with McNiven, I would pretty much let him do whatever he wanted. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's do whatever the sure. you want. I don't care. It's going to look amazing. But, uh, yeah, at first I recommend it to non-readers, but now, eh. I mean, if you... Mm-hmm. Like I get, I know the lore of Wolverine, so like I wet myself when they said Abraham <laughs> Cornelius's name. So I don't know what new readers would think about that. Dale underscore A. What did you read this week? I read the much, 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 much anticipated Gotham Academy <gasps> number one. <gasps> new Fifty Two by comic. your girl, yeah, Rebecca Cloonan. And Brendan Fletcher, Rebecca, so, so official on, on Rebecca uh, story on uh, writing the story, and Carl Kershaw, who does the if you if anybody remembers Pixel Keg, Carl Kershaw does the abominable Charles Christopher 
webcomic, and he is a, a beautiful artist, and that webcomic is beautiful, gorgeous. And Gotham Academy is about the Gotham Academy. It's a prep school in the city of Gotham. And much as you would expect from a a story about a prep school, it's not as crazy or not nearly as crazy as, as like a morning glories, but, you know, the teachers are a little oddball and, uh, you know, the, the students are warned not to go into the North Hall anymore because it's structurally unsound, but everybody thinks it's haunted. And and um, the story revolves around Olive Silverlock and she's kind of like a cast out. She kind of, in her monologues to herself, she can't seem to keep friends, but you don't know why yet. But there's this young girl under her who is a year under her, and she's just coming into the academy. And Silverlock was tasked with like showing her around, like being her big sister for a couple weeks while she, you know, learns the ropes and stuff. And they kind of end up forming a little bond towards the end of the the story, and they're up like they're up in the bell tower during some assembly skipping the assembly and Silverlock has to she basically shows some agility skills like and Bruce Wayne takes notice because he's at the academy giving like a keynote about how he was he's always going to be there to support the academy kind of thing and he was only there for a little bit of time and but his time there was always will always be memorable and he like takes notice of Silverlock's basically you know you know he knows what went on but he didn't see it because he was given a speech while she like repelled the side of the building to save her little friend who like leaned over you know some bad infrastructure and like fell over the brooks bricks and started falling and like was hanging onto a a um not a goblin but the uh, the statues gargoyle, gargoyle. yeah and uh it's 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 a pretty great all ages book maybe it's maybe it's teen reading it's not super heavy but it's about you know middle school high school and there's nothing that would indicate what kind of book it's going to be yet i don't know if it's going to be a superhero book i don't know if silverlock is going to be recruited by bruce wayne for whatever reason or if if there's a reason why it's in gotham other than the fact that it's a known dc city that could have a haunted prep school um but i i enjoy the story i don't think i don't know if I, i'd be reading it regularly because it's just not my store cup of tea but i might give it another issue to kind of see where the story's going because right now it's just like a school drama which is perfectly fine for a comic i hope uh readers accept it and take it for what it is it's a, it's a beautiful comic and the colors are great too i mean everything about it's cool i really recommend giving it a try but I'm not entirely sure what the point of it is yet. And there could be no point, and that could be cool too if they tell cool stories. But I'm just I'm just really curious to see if it's going to be a superhero thing or is it superhero training or if it's going to be magic. I, you know, and maybe other readers of that of the issue would agree with me or disagree with me. But Jones, did you read it? I did not. Worth a try because so much of what we read in the New 52, which is, you know, might have been nothing, but, you know, was certainly leaned towards the more adult kind of tone mm. to the books. Whereas this is 
definitely in the same universe, but definitely for younger readers as well as adults. So, I mean, that's got me hoping if this succeeds then. Because the last thing I want to see is another attempt at a knowledge book just get panned. Mm-hmm. And then there's nothing out there to bring in younger audiences. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's Becky Quinn and you can't, you can't go wrong. Yeah, and it's... And it's in the DCU, which really works, and uh, and young people, any anybody can, is quicker to relate to a DC or a Marvel book rather than like an amazing property like Bone or something under a publisher that nobody really knows about. So you have to solicit and you have to sell this world setting before the book comes out or nobody there's a chance nobody could buy it. Whereas this could really work because it's a DC property. There's going to be references to, to characters that people know Bruce Wayne's in it, you know? So it's, it's got a lot of potential to be really, really cool. It's not, you know, the frightening travel foreman nightmare art from animal man. People are into that too. Maybe they want that. Maybe they want that yeah. blood and get off their back. I'm sorry. Jeez Louise. Um, lightning round. Two sentences or less. The most popular segment in show history. Fact. Jonesy loves beer. Thor, issue one. You never know what you have until it's gone. Assad. Who is the new female Thor? I thought I knew, but now I don't. Detective Comics 35. An airplane lands in Gotham Airport full of dead bodies. John Paul Leon on art. I would pay $10 a month to have John Paul Leon draw a Batman book. Mm. Dang. Mm-mm-mm. Brides of Helheim. A new number one, but a sequel to the original Helheim. Much like the original, Joel Jones combined with CMX HD will have you messing yourself looking at this gorgeous, crisp, beautiful art. Robocop versus Terminator. Dark Horse Comics. Frank Miller. Walt Simonson. And a host of others. 1992. Jonesy, where were you? And how old were you in 1992? What were you doing? 92, I would have been 10. Who knows what the age I was doing in 92. i tell you what uh, came out in 1992. Tell us. Go ahead and tell me. Where were you when you're beep-bopping to this? Ooh. 
There is no doubt in my mind that I'm not going to turn your little head shapes into a gif later tonight. What were people? What were people thinking of Michael Jackson and his skin? Like, I wasn't old enough to be like aware of the general public's thoughts. But like, what did people think of? Like, did they just assume he was having plastic surgery all the time, or that it was an actual uh, disease, skin disease that he had? Because when that well, what was the official when that came out? He was you know vastly different looking. Yeah, he was, and um, I mean, in my little. corner of deep south jersey where god knows what information was getting thrown around um as far as i knew it was everybody wanted to believe that it was a a skin issue but i think people were just tossing around the fact that he wanted to be different and white Whatever. And there were rumors that like his nose fell off. Or, like, remember <laughs> that? Like during that time, that like he had so much rhinoplasty that his nose just came off on the operating table. But I rem- I remember you know the, it, his pigmentation started fading like before this. But this but 1992 when this album came out, I remember MTV like making a huge deal that he was back and he was just going to blow the doors off the place. And I th- I think. Nobody really cared. I mean, the music was amazing. Yeah. So, was this pre-scandal or post-scandal? Uh, I want to say pre, right? What scandal was that? The children. Yeah. Oh yeah. His <laughs> children were like ninety-eight, Jeez. ninety-seven, ninety-six, something. Like well, that. Let's let's change gears. Enough about the the, the magic <laughs> that was the fall sorry, of the House of Jackson, Michael Jackson blanket, <laughs> you know, and everyone else. Four issue. Hardcover. Jonesy, what is Robocop versus Terminator, please, if we don't know? It's it's the the absolute best eighties movie they never made. So the last female lone soldier is on the bleak battle front. Her the human race is sacrificed so she can get to the core of Skynet. She breaks in Matrix style jacks into Skynet and discovers that there's a there's a Achilles heel to Skynet. It was and drink every time I say Skynet. Uh, it was birthed by none other than robotic cop Alex Murphy. What? So she leaps off to to strip her clothing, get into that naked time machine. And goes back to kill RoboCop in order to save the future. RoboCop himself is confronted by her. You know, he's he's the, the no more human side. Not like the end of that the first film where he kind of discovers the fact that he's still Murphy deep down inside. He's still struggling with that dual nature. Uh, what what is her name? What is the um, the soldier's name? Flo. I'm blanking on all of a sudden. Flo. Flo succeeds. Kills Murphy after he stops some crimes. And that's when Skynet in the future, thinking they have one, decide to send back three Terminators to take control of Murphy and ensuring 
that she never kills him and that he is there to create Skynet. What follows in the second and third issue are the coolest flat-out RoboCop battles. You know, Robo versus what's essentially the Schwarzenegger era Terminator. They are able to finally save the future. Get this. RoboCop wakes up in the future to create an army of RoboCops that he uses to finally free the planet of Skynet once and for all. And Flo is able to wake up in an alternate future where everything went right. Amazing story. RoboCop versus Terminator. Frank Miller, Walt Simonson, our hearts as one. Uh, If they would have made this movie in the 90s, I think all of our childhoods would have been complete. The budget would have been like $10 billion for this movie. (laughs) I, I mean, at one point, Skynet flees in the space yes. in a RoboCop. The Skynet Armada with a huge Terminator head we're gonna go, uh, as we're, the hull of the ship. <laughs> we're going to go conquer the rest of the galaxy. Man, when I first read this, the well, first of all, the idea that RoboCop was responsible for Skynet was mind-blowing to me. But then the end of each issue essentially kind of ends with a resolution, like RoboCop dies... And then as time is rewriting itself at the opposite of what the Terminators and Skynet wanted in the future, they realize this. And at the last moment, they send someone else back in time again to stop it. So then like the Terminators come back and it's like moments before RoboCop, you know, sacrifices himself or whatever. And then now he has to fight these Terminators. And the other aspect was then... The, well, they lose. Like, RoboCop loses the battle and is taken over by the Terminators. So they, they ensure that the future happens. They take his head and hook him up to Skynet. And <laughs> he can do nothing. He that The future actually happens, but over the course of the hundreds of years where the the desolate Terminator future happens, he waits and makes himself a virus in Skynet, just waiting and trying to usurp them for the perfect moment and it takes like what presumably was eons until he finally creates himself a new body in the future and then wreaks havoc which was i thought was like the craziest idea ever bleak bleak but like so amazing too because of how it ended up yeah the the stuff i mean you think about the terminator movies and what they did with time there but this really pushes it the envelope to a whole new level because it does it several times and it does it it does it like actually the way Skynet just has the upper hand completely they can tell and the way Frank Miller and Simon and Walt Simonson kind of describes how the future is being changed like it makes it sound like uh where a battleground a, a battleground was when the past is rewritten like trees start to pop up and tanks start to dissolve so it's like it's not it's an immediate change that that people in the future are experiencing rather than you know timelines just being altered and that that time never happens never happening but 
the way so the way Skynet can just sense when oh god Flo just killed Murphy and <laughs> so they can sense like they have a couple minutes before the entirety of Skynet is completely obliterated so they just send Terminators back ten, you know seconds before that happens but they do that like four or five times and it's just that's the that's the bleakness of the the Terminator world. I don't know what you call that world, the Skynet. Turbo world. The, the ter, termo world setting. That sounds like a that, movie waiting to have a Terminator world. <laughs> that's the next Terminator colon world. That's when that spaceship lands on Predator oh, uh, boy. planet. Listen, before oh, we get term- any further, I thought Predators <laughs> was actually a really good movie. Predators was a great yeah, movie. That doesn't get enough. That scene props. where that where that Yakuza samurai fights the predator on the grass. Exactly. We don't have to do that. Exactly. For a Moments. Book club. Some for some reason. <laughs> it's tied in somehow. <laughs> but it's just. I mean, it's just an incredible. It's bleak, but I mean, Walt Simonson and the colorist are just like you think you know. What Rachel Manash. Thank you, Jersey. Sorry. Um, no problem. I'm the intern tonight, folks. You know, this, the battle scenes of the future when you get, like, the bony skeletal leg, like, stepping all over thousands of skulls. It's, like, black, and there's phasers. But the art on this is just, like, it totally works, but it's just, like, bright colors, bright explosions, and that could just be the color palette they had available to them in 1992, but it really works. It's like, it's bright, but it's devastating and it's still bleak, but it's, it's any a moment, crazy story. I thought Beta Ray Bill was going to like explode <laughs> out of a mound of skeletons and attack uh, Terminators because, I mean, Simonson, I guess in my head, is so tied to Thor for me that I thought at any moment, you know, oh, here's a twist. Uh, Beta Ray Bill exists in this universe, and he's going to uh, come to RoboCop's aid, and he is worthy enough to lift the hammer. I was like, yeah, it's happening. Anything anything is possible. I'm not even that, like, um, deep into Walt Simonson's work. I think the only real stuff I've seen is the X Factor stuff from way back was that his wife wrote. But, man, he draws a heck of a RoboCop. Like I, I'm yeah. a huge mm. RoboCop fan. The first I felt movie, sorry for the guy, man, changed my worldview. But yeah, he's a he's amazing. Like I mean, just the little things, like the little mannerisms of RoboCop, or the way that his his like metal is designed on point. The whole series, uh-huh. just so gorgeous. Um, I mean, just right down to the little how he jacks into computer systems. It's just like, man, that's like this is like I'm reading the movie right now. And they're fighting. And he never draws, never draws RoboCop at a bad angle. Never. Mm-mm. Yeah, like you never get the no. traditional up the nostrils shot of like Robo looking up. Like it's always like him looking down with the gun up, like always in motion, and he, you cannot kind of feel RoboCop being clunky, mm-hmm. like that clunky walk he does, like in the first issue. Yeah. Oh, fantastic! Just amazing. I mean, to convey that with pictures. Was it issue one or so one or two that ended with him holding that Terminator skull, like with his fingers going through the two. eyes? Oh, it's the end of two, beginning of three. Yeah. So gorgeous. So gorgeous. And the Frank Miller writing... He's got his uh, love gun out of his thigh chamber. <laughs> and just... <laughs> the, uh, the Frank Miller style of just like... 
uh, I don't know how to describe. I think we talked about it in Sin City where it wasn't a whole lot of dialogue. It's a lot of narration about what was going on, like short terms and phrases. Mm-hmm. I, I, it just worked great in this book. You know, the the dark, bleak future, and even the thought process of the computers, like the Terminator thought process of, you know, how they tried to sway Robocop into becoming a god and, you know, make the world perfect. I thought that was very, very well done. It, w- it Very w- Matrix before the Matrix happened. Yeah, and it was very well done and not in a sense that... It's very well done, but not the way Warren Ellis would write it, which is cool because it's like Frank Miller used common everyday words, but he was just able to describe thoughts, feelings, and the setting in such a way that you just got it, and it made complete sense, unlike, you know, The Flash, New 52, where nothing made sense with using everyday words. Like, Frank Miller just set set the stage with with his narration and it just completely made sense like how Murphy was able to create Skynet uh, unintentionally but inevitably like in any scenario as soon as as soon as Robocop is plugged in Skynet is getting created that's just the way it is subconsciously it's getting created one of the best parts about Frank Miller and his writing in this series is I don't know how he does it, but he's already accepted the fact that you you if you bought this title Robocop versus Terminator, you're already bought in. Like he doesn't need to spend time mm-hmm. convincing you this is a good story. It's only, like he never throws anything against the wall and see what's going to stick. He's not trying to please anybody. He it sounds like he he sat down and said, "All right, I they gave me these two two characters. What's the coolest story I could tell?" For for almost his own edification, versus trying to appease a fandom, and he and it's perfect, so well woven. I mean, this is the Frank Miller who lit the comics world on fire. I mean, this is the guy in his stride, in his moment, writing. It's it's almost like the seventies, eighties Claremont. It's just a beautiful thing to see, and it's like at its peak. Really great stuff too with a RoboCop after he like implanted himself and accepted his fate and tried to become like a virus in Skynet. The portions where he, I mean, first the four page, five page story where he formed another Robocop body with the skin. uh, Amazing. But then his inner monologue about how he wasn't a man anymore. And that man is long. The the version of him that was half man, half machine is long dead. Mm -hmm. And he realizes that. Yeah, which yeah. I thought was a really deep, dark realization, and there was he a, accepts it. He yeah. just accepts that he's mach- he's all machine, but he's still going to try to do the right thing. Not necessarily. He's not confident. I think. I think there's like a confidence swaying of himself because he's so his mach- his impulses are so machine now and no, not human at all that he's kind of afraid for what he's capable of mm. or what he could be swayed to do. When Flo suggested that, like, you can make a body for yourself so easily, why not make hundreds more? And then there was, like, this sad realization. He's like, oh, why didn't I think of that? He's like, oh, I'm I'm a machine. I'm not a man. (laughs) I was like, oh, poor Murphy. (laughs) Murphy that's been dead for thousands of years, but still. Yeah. (laughs) But, man, those pages, those pages, my Lord. When they're creating, when he's creating 
hundreds of RoboCops, you mean? Like, out of, which is so cool because out of the Terminator exoskeleton metal and the, the weapons and stuff from the future, it's just like he's RoboCop, but he's definitely future, future proof mm-hmm. at that point. Termocop. Whereas. <laughs> Robinator. Terminator World Termocop. <laughs> whereas you know 1980s robocop is you know just like sheet metal for an exoskeleton yeah, his legs were all shiny and new like some yeah mo- like futuristic uh knight the way he was designed so many great nods to especially the robocop movie though like funny nods that was the, the comedy and like ed 209 there's just an army of Ed 209s and they're completely bumbling and they're and they're literally firing on everything that breathes but they com- but they completely obey RoboCop which is cool. They like as soon as RoboCop is on the scene they like salute with their big bulky gun arm and their and <laughs> RoboCop commands them which is cool. Yeah, that was uh, funny you mentioned that cuz I forgot that that scene yeah there was a scene where they're directing traffic and everyone's dead is like at the intersection there's <laughs> yeah. like there's like really dark robocop movie humor yeah and yeah the f- i think it was really early on that set the stage that like we're gonna have fun with this a little bit like the movies where flow lands kind of like buck naked and everyone like gets their there's a, like a cab almost runs over and they're about to like have a fight with this gun and then everyone gets their guns out like bystanders there's like 15 people nearby and they all have guns and they're ready to go and then she pulls out something else or she knocks somebody out and they're like they all put their guns over like oh yep back to whatever i was doing i'm just gonna go about my life (laughs) but it was like weird like that would never happen in a sci-fi film it was like this weird humor Uh scene that like happened really early on so it set the stage for the rest of those gags in the book yeah, the, but the, the the scene directing traffic is Ed 209, just like it just blows every car up around him and he's still like issuing commands like, There's, do not use, you know, use the crosswalks, do not go on a yellow he, light. Uh, eviscerates that dog. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but man, yeah, I, yeah, so, I love the series. I, I, I just have to think that there's so much of this at Dark Horse in this time frame that we haven't read. They had, like, all those properties. There has to be, like, a ton of mm-hmm. other stuff. I know there's, like, Batman Alien or Batman Predator stuff that I think the Cuberts worked on that, you know, I'd love to get my hands on. But I feel like there's just a bunch of stuff that came out that isn't being reprinted all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's the main thing. And, and there's, I mean, there's got to be more gold. You think, when you think of licensed properties, you kind of probably initially think it's, you're you're pretty down on it probably because you just can't you can't assume that's going to be good. But this is absolute gold for licensed property and a crossover licensed property where you have to take liberties and you know uh, believe that RoboCop started Skynet. It's just fantastic stuff. There's got to be more, and I know it gets it starts getting crazy with like Terminator, RoboCop. Judge Dredd, like it, I know, there's like three-way crossovers at a certain point, and give me that three-way right now in my face, please. Mm. Oh boy, you mean Judge Joseph Dredd, surname Murphy, maybe a descendant of the Robocop? Let's not get crazy here. Writer, <laughs> fan <laughs> fiction aficionado, actual 
cred on this podcast. We have a writer. You heard what he just came up with out of nowhere. I'm like the Don Draper <laughs> of the of this podcast. Uh, Thank God he's on our side. It's know? toasted. That's enough. Please stop. <laughs> Robocop versus Terminator. We got your letters. I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's gonna read them to you. To you. Letters at paperkeg.com. You shoot us a, an email. We might read it on the era. Our first letter comes to us from Fast Friend Spouse Reader at Nimmin and Dizzy on Twitter. She writes, wondering if you scheduled this recording yet for the sword in its entirety. Might even be a book I consider being a guest host for. Wow. Not saying, just saying. I think, Dale, you need to put aside your, uh, you know, your animosity for the sword. <laughs> uh, we, ha- we are close within the grasp of getting a wife onto the show. So you just stifle it. You do what every red-blooded American male does, and you mash that so deep inside. So I, I have to be on my best behavior because of this? No, you need to let I mean, loose. When uh, I mean, not oh just no. a, the wife oh no. on a show. No. We've it's how long has it been since we had a female on the show? When was Buffy Keg? That was like a hundred oh episodes ago. Seventy three, yeah, seventy two. I, I I will not. I obviously she's written in, and she's read the entirety of the sword. Obviously, she has. three against one for the sword. So what would be worse? I it's three against one, or I change my tune because I read the entirety of the sword and everything I said previous is out the window. I don't know. I mean, I'm, she, I'm so torn. she told me in confidence that she had the same thoughts that you had during the beginning of the series, but was oh. was swayed as she went on because I told her to to read the whole thing. Because when we did it, we only did volume one. That's right. It was enough, right? I mean, it was it was enough. There was a lot of great stuff in that show. Maybe I'm compiling a list of audio clips. Oh man, I am, she's sending I probably me won't even stamps. show up. I probably won't even show up for that show. <laughs> Just saying, man. she has she's thrown her hat in the ring officially to wow. come onto the show. Well, I you can't. name the episode. Yeah, one seventy seven, one seventy six. Jensie's just spouting off numbers. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> it's just <laughs> wow, <laughs> heavy stuff. Could be could be a rocket keg sword episode. Who knows? <sighs> wow. The sword. I, 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 maybe a lot of people listening don't know what the sword is, but if the sword came out today, it would be a massive hit. The sword yeah. came out like five years too early. Yeah, you're probably yeah. right. It would be a pilot. There would be a pilot. J Law would be playing the main character in a movie right now. Oh yeah. Yep. Then it would be a quadrilogy. Yep. You'd get some. Where the last two issues were two whole movies. <laughs> You get some graphic designer using Adobe Illustrator on that image cover. Instant gold. <laughs> Your pronunciation of Adobe, I think, makes Adobe. that. Adobe. Adobe. I said Adobe. It sounded I like Adobe. Adobe Illustrator. Like it was Adobe. some cheap knockoff Adobe. that you get scammed at a flea market. Someone's selling you this big box, and it's like a diskette in it. That and a copy of Bill Lambier's Basketball. <laughs> 
for the PC. There you have it. At Niminity on the Twitter. The sword. Niminity. Dale is at chomping Niminity. at the bit just thinking about the sword right now. He's getting itchy. His whole body itches. He doesn't know what's happening. Um, next up, next letter. <clears throat> hey, pals. Still working my way through the back catalog and am approaching 100. This is from uh, at TV Cardinal on the Twitter. He's been writing in. Listening, I think, to every episode of Paper Keg. Wow. Before the last two we've done, which none of us would ever go back and listen to. It's too scary to think about. Super excited for it and realize that while I hear you on my commutes and occasional lunch breaks, I really know little about who you guys are. So here are my name five questions for the PK hosts. Number one, for Jonesy, have you ever tried to explain your opus to anyone on the show? If so, what did they think of Inherited? P.S. At Inherited Comics says, we could be days away from an announcement. <laughs> Just how many days are we talking? And will me throwing a hunger strike hasten its release or only my death? Joel, I will say very nice things at your funeral. <laughs> hasten my release or only my death. Oh my God, it's amazing. <laughs> Two, for Dale. I heard the A Cheeks episode of The Flap and used it as research for my own future snipping. You are a very brave man and a hero to us all. P.S. Did you guys name the show after your lifeless husk of a wiener? <laughs> <laughs> wow. My gosh. I mean, you, 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 you reel me in. Classic rope-a-dope maneuver. You make me feel safe. <laughs> like my name five question is going to be beautiful and wonderful. And then you remind me that I have a height lifeless husk of a wiener. <laughs> Next up, number three, for Slim. A guy as brilliant and as talented as you must have tons of friends. Thank you. What made you settle on these hosts for PK? What, in your opinion... Notice his troll is not a troll on I, him. I, I know. It's a troll on the rest it, of the Exactly. Planet. God, Slim, yay. <laughs> what, in your opinion, does each host bring to the table other than fodder for you to... for you incessant trolling and verbal assaults? P.S., you should have named the show Comics Jockeys, like Josie suggested. No, we shouldn't have. We made the right choice. That was a terrible suggestion. Number four for Mark. Redacted. <laughs> Number five for everyone. What are comic runs you could recommend for a sixth grade class of both boys and girls? P.S. Bought Daredevil and Peter Panzerfaust, and they seem to love it. Keep it up, guys, and in the immortal words of Tupac, you are appreciated. P.S. That's a rapper, Jonesy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Guys on fire. That was a great letter. On fire. Sixth grade class runs. Comic runs for a sixth grade class. I have no idea. Teen Titans go. I don't know. They're reading Daredevil and Peter Panzerfaust, though. Yeah. Yeah. What's what sixth grade? Is that like... It's like 12. 13? 12, 13? Yeah, 12, 13. I'd say the new uh, Slan Dot Silver Surfer. That's pretty cool. Yeah, like that's already. right up there. Mm, good pick. Five, five or six of those out now. Um, fear Agent. Is it ever too soon <laughs> for Fear Agent? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we got to start young. Just get ready for life. Bone, of course. Yeah, Classic definitely. go-to. 
I don't have anything. All right. Boy, we're, we're awful. <laughs> yeah, we are. It's not that we don't know. It's just between the three of us, our memories are completely crap. <laughs> our, no, without, we have turds for memories. So... It, we're sorry. Like we we do one episode Pure at a time, and as soon as the episode's done, we forget everything we've I, ever learned. I I forget while this show is happening. I have no yeah. idea what books anyone talked about. I had to re-listen just to take the notes. This is this is how we live. <laughs> By the seat of our pants, really. Next letter. I knew you guys win. Lads, it seems the t-shirts have worked. The paper cake name is getting bigger, blowing up, crossing the country like a helium-filled dirigible that is powered by love. More and more comics creators are binging, uh, binging, <laughs> binging, binging? <laughs> Sponsored by Microsoft. <laughs> binging on the podcast previous episodes, soaking up what those of us in the know have already well known. I'm glad your success is ramping up to use one of those fable business terms. It's rare to find a podcast with such superb chemistry, great insight, and, of course, jocularity. Uh, they ain't a business term, yet it should be. I hope that more and more the t-shirts, the trolling of Jonesy, Dale's vicious war of, of the elliptical, and yes, Slim and his hats, notice his is nice yet again, mm-hmm. uh, conquer not just North America, but the entire world, paper keg or death. Is the rallying cry. The time is now. Stay gold, Ponydale, <laughs> Jonesy, and Slim. Stay gold. Your pal from back in the day, Matt and the G-side sector of the Keystone Commonwealth. P.S. Do some, do some more D.C., would you? There's some good work in that writhing mass of four-color heraldry, notably the Infinity Man and Tomorrow People, as well as Star Spangled War Stories. And that's at Gorilla Scribe on the Twitter writing to us. Well, you've already heard it, Gorilla Scribe. Gotham Central, coming at your face. Oh man, that's forty issues of DC Comics. I mean we're gonna be we're gonna done our queue for like mid twenty fifteen. I mean right. spoilers, we have our books planned out up until episode one ninety seven right now. That's March twenty fifteen. We're good. Hmm? Yeah. I wonder if I wonder if people are nice to me over email because they know how that, that I joke, quote, joke about ending <laughs> the book club, the the segment, the roundtable. Oh yeah, the show. They feel like you're holding it hostage. Like I could press one button and the show's over. Yeah, you just pop off at any second. Segments over. Shows over. Jonesy puts his head in an oven. <laughs> Break the gas line. I'm taking everybody with Dale me. Dale sticks his head in that laundry bag that he just opened from vacation, oh finally. My slippers, I can still smell them underneath my feet right as we're speaking. I can smell my leather moccasins. Some paper keg behind-the-scenes trivia. When we used to record in Dale's basement, Slim tried to kill all of us by spraying the basement with roach killer. <laughs> there we go. Found this <laughs> rabbit hole again. One of my favorite moments. <laughs> Absolutely, oh, it was. I mean, Dale's basement is it. great. He's got a great kind of man cave down there. If you watch the YouTube, you can see the covers. He's got hanging behind him the Marcos Martins. Mm. You know, I you know we're, we have a we we usually plan those days out. We we come over, have a bite to eat, get some buffalo wild wings. Oh, oh gosh! So gosh, there's the a days. bathroom down there in that basement. Yeah, I'm gonna use it. Sure. 
You know, maybe I need sure. to use spray after I go just to keep it courteous. So I'm going to grab back there. And when I grab back there, I'm not going to expect to get roach spray <laughs> on the back of a toilet. <laughs> Who would? Uh, <laughs> well, the good news is we all survived and we, oh, we recorded a hit show. What do you think killed Mark? That was well, it. That was the final. I don't think the, the test ever came in. What episode <laughs> was that? I remember my my the the puffy skin around my eyes swelling up. I could barely see through my slits I had for eye holes. My my nose was running after it. I mean, whatever we breathed in, it was not healthy and had long lasting damage. <laughs> Which was even worse because it's like I knew it was like organic. Firstly. I'm down here with the wolf. It's me and the wolf spiders down here, so I need something. <laughs> no L in that word. The wolf spiders. The wolf spiders. Your <laughs> army of wolf spiders. <laughs> so, so I need something, but the, it's like organic killer that smells like menthol. So I come downstairs. I'm the last to come down. The spray's already, like the cloud. There's two foot of spray, like... At the bottom half of the basement because it's sinking. The spiders are forcing the door closed. You can't even get down there. So it's like you're walking through like swamp thing, swamp area. You're kicking up the spray because it's heavier than air. So it's like a cloud. (laughs) It's like a Michael Jackson concert. Like the the mist is down below. (laughs) So I smell it immediately and I'm like, oh, maybe they, you know, maybe kill had to kill something, but. This that scent's just not going away. It's not. There's no way to dissipate. There's no windows down here or exhaust fans. So. Yeah, those windows behind him are fake, by the way. Yeah, I, yeah, they're into the storage area where my bins. They go into a murder room. So I was just like, man, is spray spray bug spray down here. And it's like I think everybody was silently judging my to- toilet poop spray. Like this is the worst air freshener ever. Until I revealed. This is the worst air fresher ever, but all the spiders are dead. <laughs> all the spiders that were coming out to murder us. For some reason, I still have to blow my nose every morning ever since that faithful night. <laughs> we, we made it. We all made it. We made it. It was all a great matters. show. I forget. I would love to know what episode that was. Yeah. Next up, friend of the show, at Ramsden on the Twitter. Dearest Paper Keg. I just wanted to write in again to say thank you for all the enjoyment you all provide to so many. You have such a great chemistry and really know how to make the audience feel like like we're all in this with you. So much that sometimes us friends of the show take up the trolling on at Jonesy Loves Beer on the Twitter. Oh yeah, you totally have an excuse. Jonesy, I hope you know we only do it because we wish we lived right there with you guys and could hang out and be BFFs, fearing for our lives while enjoying some glorious cold concrete. You have amazing thick skin and a big heart, and we all love you for it. Anyways, did you all talk to Jan Jurgens? <laughs> I read it like he wrote it, which is amazing. Did you all talk to Jan Jurgens about that Superman alien stuff? Speaking of Jan Jurgens, what about this Thor? This new Thor number one? Talk to me, Bibbs. I miss Asad Ribic. I miss him very desperately. I was well, I flipped through the book, yeah, and that's that's the first thing I noticed. It was not Assad. No. But since uh, uh, we're recording mere after, uh, mere hours after returning from the paper keg or the <laughs> paper keg show sponsor, the comic book shop, I will probably read this in six to eight weeks. <laughs> I, I, you know, I want to find out who 
the Lady Thor will be. Um, but I don't know if it's going to have enough drawing power to keep me after that. I mean, there were some. I mean, everybody knew there was something magical about Aaron and Rivik on this uh, on this title previously. Oh yeah, it was a seminal Thor run, and I just think maybe they're just trying to recreate lightning in a bottle. Is that the phrase? How lightning many issues bottle? was that series? Twenty five. Oh boy. Oh, oh my God! Boy, did we just plan to one pencil it in? <laughs> Let me check the doc. That could be Paper one. Cake seventy nine. Could be one ninety eight. Let's get rid of this. And I, 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 I got to be I honest. Need it. I don't like the uh, the new logo. Yeah, it's yeah, I don't either. Uh, I don't like it. That's the noise it makes me feel. Yeah. Uh, our final letter. First things first, my thoughts on Gotham. Holy underwhelmed, Batman. Hashtag Gordon Slips. <laughs> second things second, my thoughts on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s new season. Absorbing Man was done fantastically. Spoilers. Started Death of Wolverine. Holy underwhelmed, Wolverine Man. <laughs> Bought a speaker that Bought a speaker today that looks like Iron Man. I'll send a pic later. Hashtag lazy. <laughs> Just a stream of consciousness here on Paper Cake. Really wish I could go all Hermione and obli- obliviate transmit from my brain. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Guy brought up how much he loved it recently at the Ix. LC- what, the- what is that word? Oh, LCS. I think I would know that by now. He binged hashtag- it. Hashtag, <laughs> hashtag context. This letter is really scattered. Seems most of mine are. Hashtag Asian man want to do. What's going on now? I don't know what is Asian man. We don't even know if this is actually in the letter. Jonesy is squinting. Oh, as as I am want to do. Guys, let's just call him like at. Let me read this hashtag before I say it. He bought the six plus so he could coming read his emails. Yeah, you can't, don't you have that font jacked up to like old man? Shouldn't you be able to read those things? Maybe I still have a point of pride left and I haven't put it in zoom mode yet. But it's coming fast, I'll tell you. Dragonfro, once again, thanks for being the king of the letter segment. Absolutely. I mean, Hermione, the transmetro out of your brain. That's Strong. Too, too vitriolic. Strong statement to make yeah. on this show. Transmet. I don't know if you guys know Paper Keg fans, but don't. If you've never read Transmet, don't read it. Oh my God. If, if for every kid I could save for reading Transmet, I mean that's why um, I'm alive. I'd like to, to get at Nimity on the uh, case. Get her thoughts. <laughs> oh boy. If I read the sword, she reads at least the first volume of Transmet. Don't do it, Nimity. Wow. I have, to live, I have to live with uh, that. I have to live with a person that re- that is forced to read the first volume of Metro and might love it, which would be even worse. Because oh you have to live divorce, with that. Hashtag divorce dot com. Why do we even want to open that door? I'm going to remind you guys out of my lives. Just my life. Next week starts one of the biggest two weeks in show history. Gotham, the entire series over two episodes. My gosh. Hashtag Rucka Keg. Hashtag Columbus. See everybody next week.
Says the man from California. So, Dale, have you did you watch the Gotham yet? Have you caught up? I read Gotham. I I, I watched Gotham episode one. So we never got your thoughts. What do you think? Well, it's definitely on the fence. Very, very wink, wink. I think one of you guys said it was wink, wink. To yeah. the uh, especially the, here's the problem. All right. It's very wink, wink to people who know Batman, who who read Batman, who know anything about Batman. But for the general audience, it probably works really, really well. Yeah, I mean, uh, a unnamed host of a rival podcast. I mean, I don't know. One of you gentlemen are having a byplay about it today on the show, sponsored, and it had to be you because your phraseology was. People were just waiting to get their huge Batman wangs out and jay all over oh the place gosh. about how much they know about Batman. And you're absolutely right for like a certain type of comic book follower. Like they just want to be in a room with four people and be like, I know this ass better than you and this is why it's bad. You know what I mean? People just get to that place in their lives. I've moved on. Mm-hmm. I've given up the vitriol. I'm, I'm very zen. But I'm, I'm I'm still definitely on the fence. Donald Logue is definitely a loud whisper talker. He whispers to Jim Gordon's fate right he in his wa- face. He walk him all the way to the end of that pier. <laughs> God, we're outside. Why are you whispering? Yeah, is that necessary? Junk. Um, junk. So, you think the whole show's junk? So? No. Jim Gordon had no either. upper lip for the first half of the show, which just was gone. <laughs> He might as well just taken like a, one of his batarangs and just shaved his whole upper lip off because he had none. I don't know where it went. It came out to play the second half of the show. What do you think of the musical explosion when Penguin ate that sandwich at the end of the episode? <laughs> I, I, your thoughts? I didn't your thoughts? even pay attention to that. <laughs> That's all I cared about. Fish Mooney. I could do. I could do without the name Fish Mooney. I could tell you what I could do it out, okay? Selena Kyle, huh. Catwoman. Talk to me, preach. All over that episode. Okay, first, she steals a half a gallon of milk <laughs> from somebody walking down the well, road. My wife pointed this out. Steals. Instead of mine. Half a block later, continuity cops come in. <laughs> Her half a gallon of milk has an eighth of a cup of milk in it. Where did the other? Swallow. Where did the half a gallon of milk though? Did she did she drink it because she's Catwoman? So she's <laughs> she pours in a little. She poured a half a gallon of milk in a big saucer and and licked it up because she's that's she's going to live up to her character's name. And then she gives the rest of this cow's milk to a little kitten in the the alleyway. What you don't see afterwards is little kitten proceed to get diarrhea all over the alleyway <laughs> because cats can't drink cow's milk. All right. So I don't know if she becomes Catwoman because she learned from her mistake. I did not expect you to explode that gaff into the next level. She's Catwoman. Into the stratosphere. She, she, she has to have a mild interest in cats at this point <laughs> to steal milk. A passing interest. Now, I don't know if she's given her life over to the cat. The, the, she, she, I don't know if she's like licking her upper arm to like bathe her hair with it yet like Michelle Pfeiffer would. 
I don't know if she's there yet, but you don't give a cat cow's milk. You can't do it. They'll be so essing it's safe all to over say the Gotham place. Gotham has turned off the entire audience that are cat owners. I mean, can we probably be certain of that? Probably. Wow. We have to. We should talk about how Mystique was. Uh... Oh, <laughs> we almost did thirteen issue run. Yeah, I only did seven of them. Thanks, guys, for letting me know the day before. I mean, you are known for not being able to hold your opinions to yourself. We even <laughs> mentioned the word comic, and you'll be like, oh, this is my cue to mention my feelings in the book club we're about to do over text. <laughs> right, not, and not save it for the show, in other words. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you had saved it for the show, we could have done, we might have done Mystique. But well, no, we didn't. Uh, I saved Jonesy essentially dropped his cargo shorts and spread his cheeks <laughs> all over that text conversation <laughs> and Mystique. Not, I think is one of his ex- one of the exact quotes. It was very meh, and meh was caps. in all capital letters, so you yeah. knew right away. Some BKV Sterling writer Mystique just you know wasn't in his wheelhouse. And my pr- my problem, the, the, okay, the premise because we'll never do a book club on it. Charles Xavier needs an uncanny X Force kind of thing, but he only needs one. He needs a secret agent so secret he couldn't even tell his X Men about it because super super double secret right. agent. So he he his first secret agent, you know, tries to get back the knock list and and dies in Prague or wherever. <laughs> oh, so he. Gets Forge's help to hunt down Mystique, and Mystique is going to be his super secret agent who does the dirty work. But man, and 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 this was around the time this came out. This was the tsunami line. Oh yeah, I remember that of Marvel Comics. This came out around that time, and I was buying like every comic on the shelves, and I was getting getting back into comics heavy and hardcore. And this was something that I was I original I thought I liked back then because I was like, whoa, this is a cool premise because I had not when I was into comics before this it was just a passing thing so I never really paid attention but I'm like Charles Xavier needs somebody he can't even tell the X Men about to do super dirty work I I love this premise whatever and then I read like maybe the first four or five issues then and then I read the same issues now and they just don't hold up at all. The art is very, this is like 03, but the art is very early 90s, it seems like. And the story is just terrible. <laughs> terrible. I didn't even start it. I don't know. I can't comment at all. <laughs> it just wasn't up to his BKV standards. Right. As all, well, all I mean, the standards were lowered since we read that Swamp thing. Am I right? And the bait Alleged. and switch thing. Oh my god! I've never the been rope dope. I've never been rope a dope scammed <laughs> in a comic book like that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's have every every cover of the comic a beautiful painting of Swamp Thing. No Swamp Thing within. <laughs> <laughs>